You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. Welcome special guest Diana Lamb, and she is here to bestow her wisdom on how the feminine can dive deeper into communing with self and assist in the well-being of her family, her community, and how she can come into harmony with nature. She is a sage, a mentor, a guide, and works with women all over the world connecting them to the power of their moon cycle, AKA their menstrual cycle, and the power of the red tent of pulling women together to share stories and exchange ideas and feelings and emotions and process deep inner healing. Without further ado, let's dive in with Deanna. So Deanna Lamb is here. And she is a wise, wise woman. So I'm really excited to reconnect. Uh, and she's going to, I think, lead us to a place where we can reconnect to, gosh, the divine wisdom that exists, especially in the feminine's womb. Yeah. And uh, one, thing, one thing I noticed uh, on your site this morning as I was setting everything up is uh, you need empowerment, not medications. And I thought, aho. <laughs> and I thought that would be <laughs> that would be a great place to dive in because I know, um, you know, for myself, especially this past couple of weeks, I've been really called to be in um, deep reflective repose and kind of listening on a deeper level. I, I feel some things um, outside of, you know, all the noise we get from social media and mainstream media. Yeah. And so... It's been an interesting process for me, and I think that word empowerment is super important because sometimes when, you know, there's certain things rising up, uh, maybe beyond what people even are aware of, it's good to be empowered and still and not in a place of um, grasping or fear or uh, speculation kind of thing. So if you can start by sharing with the the listeners um, just how you interact with that word empowerment. Sure. Thank you, Suzanne, for inviting me and for this intro. And yes, empowerment. I will start from from the sentence that you read on my homepage that we need empowerment, not medication. And I would start with the powerlessness that we most of us feel as girls growing up and women. Powerlessness around the symptoms that we have, the dependency that we have been encouraged to develop for the medical model, for medications, for the doctors, for those quote-unquote that know better. And that's really disempowering. And someone once said, I don't know who I'm quoting, I'm sorry to say, but it's not mine. Someone once said that when you give give something something to someone that they know how to do themselves you train them in disempowerment 
And we know how to do this ourselves. We know how to connect with our wombs. Our foremothers knew that. The women in the tribes knew that. We knew how to listen to our wombs. We knew how to live the rhythm of the moon that is reflected in our wombs. And all of a sudden, something that we know well how to do, the same as birthing, we know how to birth. Our body knows that every cat knows how to birth and every camel and every lioness in nature. So when we try to fix that, something that doesn't need fixing, and give women things to grasp onto that they don't need, we really disempower them. So you asked about empowerment, and I'm coming to it from the bottom of the disempowerment, which most of us feel or have felt growing up as girls or still as adult women, to say, enough is enough, we know how to do that. And that is what empowerment means, is that the power is in our hands, not in someone else's hands, not in outside, not outside of us and not in any um, medication or or technique or prescription, but really in the natural wisdom of our body. Mm. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and if you can uh, share a little bit more with the listeners, because some of them, uh, you know, there are a lot of women are in varying skills as just even living naturally. And so sometimes People get attached to their, maybe their medication to feel better in a certain way or uh, certain things that we have varying degrees. But if you can share with uh, especially the women and the men, because I think it's really important for men to be educated on, you know, the power that the divine feminine that's in and around them, they're from a womb, uh, has. Uh, So if you can share a little bit more what it looks like when we really, one, are in rhythm with the lunar cycle our own lunar cycle and external and then what it also looks like what kind of wisdom and healing comes out of being in sync with what our body's doing yes yes so i want to echo what you said i agree very much that this is a a revelation and education that we need as both women and men absolutely so yes and uh, you mentioned those that are, might be dependent on medication. I'm not advocating throwing away your medication if you're depending on them, so I want to clarify that. I worked with many women around the world. I work long distance with women from all continents, really. And what women that come to me, well, let's say why they come to me. They come to me because the medications don't help or help partially or stop working and women come to me after they've tried allopathic medicine you know conventional medicine medication alternatives you know anywhere from herbal supplements to acupuncture to homeopathy to everything and everything helps somewhat or a little bit but nothing really changed the tide that's how women usually come to me so I'm not saying to them throw away your medication what I'm saying is Let's delve into the place of lack, the place of us not having been welcomed into womanhood when we were girls coming of age, the place of our first menstrual blood when we were 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, it's a gamut. Um, And the, the gamut spans between fear and shame and embarrassment and horrification 
we girls sometimes thought that they were going to die. They were so un uninformed. And all the way to just ho hum, here is a box of tampons, here is a box of pads, just deal with it, that's what we do. So that's the gamut usually, that's the spectrum of what we had, as opposed to welcoming, honoring, celebrating, explaining the rhythm that we are now entering into for the rest of our lives. So the symptoms as I see them, and I think it's important because I don't want anyone to get the impression that I'm saying throw the medication out of the window and suffer. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is the suffering is not necessary. So keep on with your medication, uh -huh. but let's do, let's do meanwhile some emotional work, some digging into the experiences you had as a maiden the taboos that the culture and your individual family kind of put on you because they were they didn't know any better our mothers weren't welcomed our grandmothers weren't welcomed so let's see what a lot of negativity and shaming and taboos we have stored in our psyche from that time and let's start clearing them and cleaning them out and that already in itself begins to lessen the symptoms. That's my experience from women I work with, mm -hmm. from, like I said, around the world. And then moving from when we clear up the space that was cluttered with, with cultural spam about our blood and our body and our womb, when we clean that out, we have space where we can put in place what we didn't receive when we came of age, and I truly believe it's never, ever too late to receive the welcoming into womanhood that we didn't have as maiden, even if we no longer bleed, even if we are post-menopause. It's never too late because that inner maiden inside of us is still waiting to be witnessed and seen and welcomed and celebrated. So we do that and more symptoms dissolve and disappear and then we start realizing that our menstrual cycle is here to invite us to live rhythmically because this is our body's design as women is to expand and contract with the moon our moods our emotional life is expanding and contracting so here is something for us to realize and for the men that live with us to realize is that we're not linear. We don't mm. shine like the sun consistently every day. We expand and contract. We have needs to go inward and needs to go outward. We have introverted needs every month and extroverted needs every month. And that's part of our cycle. So living without a thing in conflict with this rhythm is what my, my understanding is that that's what produces symptoms. The symptoms are our body's way of calling our attention to stop, to take time off, to rest, to renew, to replenish. And if we don't, then our body shouts louder and the body shouts louder with more and more painful uh, symptoms. And if we stop and we listen and we take time and we're not being out in the world when every ounce of our being is asking for quietude, if we honor that and take some quiet time to replenish ourselves, then the symptoms don't need to be sounding because we are listening anyway. 
So that is when we start living in harmony and the symptoms are by then gone and the medications are unnecessary because there is nothing to medicate. Mm, absolutely. And um, can you give the listeners like one example that you've witnessed without divulging too much about your client uh, or a personal example, maybe that's even better, uh, of some of those deeper ahas and even ancestral healing I've noticed for myself when I'm going through some deep healing sometimes some of my ancestors from my immediate family in this lifetime or from previous uh, appear as that healing away and balancing occurs yes yes so I will answer these are two questions I'll answer them both about our ancestors and about this personal example let me start with a personal example so I no longer bleed for about six years now but when I bled and started this journey of discovery some 30 years ago I was suffering a lot of emotional PMS I didn't have any physical pain or hardly any but emotionally I was a basket case once a month I was really irritable and really outraged and I probably the person that most suffered from it was my partner my husband of now 30 some years and um, what when I started realizing that I need to withdraw and he was completely supportive of that because we were at each other's throat when I was starting to get hormonal I would lash out at him and you know it wasn't the pretty picture so what the discovery was that as soon as I closed the door and took time on the first day of my blood I wasn't irritable anymore because there was no one to be irritable with you know I wasn't, I wasn't in his face he wasn't in my face I wasn't trying to do something that I, I really didn't want to do I wasn't trying to accomplish what my usual accomplishments would be on a regular day I realized that I have to just close the door and it was revelation it was such deep renewal and nothing needed to be irritable in me and my emotions didn't need to flare up because there was no one that hooked them mm. so, absolutely yeah <laughs> well it in that yeah. and I know I asked the second part but um, you know part of that uh, process especially with the native culture and sometimes there's, it's been de- depicted, and I had a personal experience leading a vision quest for a group of people, and uh, we, we ended up having an unexpected moon lodge in the middle because uh, the elder I invited out to do the sweat lodges, we, we all like fell into formation almost. We were in the middle of a quest, and uh, yeah, that's what we had to do. And it was really fascinating in the process because all the these wounds came up the shaming the like why am i being silenced why am i being put in there but that lodge for those that had to be in there and i was just on the tail end in the middle of something i'm leading <laughs> uh, was was so was so powerful like i went pretty far back in the in the healing process on just the, a human humanity level yes. and so uh, as you go into some of, you know, the power of just removal, you know, removing self from an environment so you can get perspective, um, if you can share 
to the second part of my question about the, and I apologize for interrupting, but about the, the power of the ancestral healing that when we take time out as feminine to shed, reflect, and um, honor the let go of yes. what, what comes of that. Yes. So um, one of the revelations that uh, came when I started doing this healing work for myself, because I did it for myself first before I started doing this work with other women, so again, talking some 30 years ago, uh, one of the revelations was that my ancestral line was all alone. Each woman in her time, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother. I didn't think of my grandmother as a cycling woman, as a menstruating women, woman until then, or, or my great-grandmother. And realizing that this is something that rather than feel the connection of the chain of generation that we could pass as as an empowering gift from one generation to another we have been passed down a disempowering gift and that my mom didn't welcome me because she wasn't welcomed and her mom my grandmother didn't welcome her and so forth so first of all to start connecting to the fact to the compassionate moment of realizing that all of my female ancestors for many generations were very alone and very scared probably and shamed probably because the culture was such that um, that they passed something that they received, a deprivation that they received. And then the opposite is true as well, that then when I started healing my coming of age, that that reverberated and rippled back in time to my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and all of my female ancestors who are also waiting in the wings for that healing. The same way that they pass down the pain, I'm passing back, I was passing back the healing as I healed it by connecting inwardly to them and weaving back this chain of generations and internally welcoming them, welcoming my mom as a teen girl, as a maiden, welcoming my grandmother, my great-grandmother, all of them in, in the many generations behind us that were never, never welcomed. That's one part. And the other part is that if we dig deep enough, we all, all of us, anywhere in the world, have roots in indigenous cultures that lived close to the land, that were tribes that were honoring the feminine, honoring the womb, honoring the moon time, that had moon lodges and, and moon hats and women's houses or hats or however they were called, the red tent was not a name that was used, but moon lodges and moon hats and women hats were. So um, connecting back far enough to those that can recall, reawaken in us the cellular memory of having been in those moon lodges millennia ago. And that's something that is another generational and ancestral healing that the recent generations behind us need healing but the ancient generations far behind us 
can come and support us in this healing and reawaken those memories in our cells and blood and bone. You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. Beautiful. Well said. And would you say that, you know, not being welcomed has led to a lot of feminine, I hear this a lot in my private practice, uh, people say, I'm not seen, I'm not heard. Because it's such a significant moment, you know, where we're able to actually, you know, you think about it, we're at that moment when we start menstruating, we are able to create life officially in our body. And that's such a gift. Um, But if we're, we feel shameful about it, that's not uh, really welcoming in the gift that you got. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd love your reflection on that. You know, I hear women a lot say, I'm not seen, I'm not heard. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. And it it feels like such a deep subconscious block versus, you know, me saying, well, of course you're heard. Look, you know, this person listens to you kind of thing. Well, I totally agree with you. We We have not been seen and heard as maidens at the time of our first blood. So that's what the ancestral ancient ones were doing with the welcoming is that the girl was in the center of the welcoming celebration, so fully seen and heard as a, as a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly, sheds a cocoon and, and is born into a butterfly, and someone who is transforming from a girl into a woman. And that's the part that we have not been witnessed or seen or heard. So I see the time of our first blood as a flower bud that's ripe and just about to open and unfurl its petals and instead of being opened and witnessed and celebrated and cheered for its opening that bud is trampled upon by our culture Mm. and that's a wound that most of us don't even know exists because we don't spend time thinking about our maidenhood or our first blood because it's such a taboo to even talk about it but that's a wound that stays with us So maybe people listen to us now at work or at home, but that flower bud that has been trampled within us, that has not been witnessed and seen and heard, is still waiting. And that's why I'm saying it's never too late to be welcomed, because we can reweave that moment in our consciousness and weave another outcome not that of the mm. trampling that has sat in us for years, but a one where we can be witnessed and seen and heard and create an alternative picture in our mind's eyes for that time, for the maiden within us. And that is soothing and satisfying it's, it's offering such a deep solace to our soul that reaches the recesses of our psyche where we, are not, we have not been heard and heals that. Mm. Beautiful. And 
from all the work that you've been doing with women at all stages of their uh, life, their seasons, uh, what, as you feel into the future, um, do you feel that we're going to circle completely back around? Um, because we have a couple things in conjunction. We do, we've had, I would say, in the last 20 years, a, a great reawakening to indigenous practices, living in a natural way with Mother Nature, and that seems to keep uh, building, especially with our, our young maidens. Uh, yet we have this intersection of technology <laughs> that also uh, is creating um, some dissonance for all humans, but uh, can create dissonance for the female because they become more reliant on this machine to tell them what's going on with their body or their menstrual cycle uh, versus listening. So if you can yes. share from your perspective, I would love to hear about that. Yeah. I agree. I think we are awakening, absolutely. And at the moment, we are awakening to a rather close-by horizon. I wouldn't say we're looking far. I, I would like to bring us back to looking far, far, far into the horizon. The, the close horizon we're waking into is that we have stopped using... Um, we stopped feeling that the word menstruation is unmentionable. We started talking about it in 2016. The menstrual blood a tampon picture made it to the cover of Newsweek, first time ever. And it was all about tampon tax. So the, the close horizon is about the politics of it. Yes, we don't need to pay tampon tax at all, indeed and we are allowed to speak the word but that's not listening that's still staying outside of ourselves we can still and many women still hold on to the image of their menstrual blood as gross still don't know how to live their rhythm but fight the fight of let's not pay tampon tax or uh or let's be aware and mindful of the extremely important environmental impact that menstrual reusable um, disposable sorry disposable menstrual products have on the environment so that's a huge one I think that the environment is the bridge between looking in a very narrow way on the politics of, of tampons and, and menstrual hygiene through to the midway or the bridge which is the environmental impact which is tremendous I want to say here for those who don't know that uh, disposable tampons and pads are the number two cloggers of landfill around the world mm. number one are baby diapers and number two are feminine uh, hygiene women feminine hygiene products this is clogging our landfill big time it's a huge environmental disaster and it's easily, easily remedied with reusable menstrual pads, cloth pads and other reusable um, modalities. So, so that's a bridge, I see that as a bridge. But looking into the future, I see that we will reclaim is the word reclaim in the same way that women are reclaiming home birth and are reclaiming the ability to know 
instinctively and intuitively on a bodily level, on a soul level, what to do when they birth, that we will also reclaim our innate ability to cycle with the moon, to live our rhythms in a way that is in harmony with, with what we need and not in conflict with it. And I think that it's already happening through the Red Tent movement that we see Red Tents around the world. My vision is having a Red Tent in every neighborhood. And when that happens, we will have a generation where girls not only are welcomed, but they start coming to the Red Tents to the celebration of welcoming of their older sisters and their older cousins and their older friends or friends of the family and knowing one day that would be me. It wouldn't be a surprise, it wouldn't be something that never was mentioned before and all of a sudden, oh, I got my period, what should I do now? Oh, mom will make a ceremony. No, it would be part of a web of life where being welcomed would be something that the community would be party to and part of throughout our lives. And when we get to that age as girls, it would be something we have longed for and waited for and participated in and now rejoice in it becoming us, that, that our turn mm. has arrived. Beautiful. And uh, how did you, what have you witnessed um, for the maidens that may be young women now, meaning that, that you've been around or helped educated maybe their mother and then got to participate in some of their ceremonies. Uh, what have you witnessed as, as the evolution for those children that have been benefited from having more of an open, accepting dialogue uh, from their mother into their adulthood? So it's interesting because what I'm noticing is that the mothers want to skip the work for themselves. They want to do something mm. empowering for the girls. And it, have, it ends up being more confusing because mom, on one hand, says to the girl, for you it's going to be different, I'm going to do a ceremony for you. And most moms come to me and say, my daughter rolls her eyes and says, shut up, mom, and doesn't want to listen. And why is that? I want her to, do, to receive something I haven't had. And herein lies the problem. Receive something I haven't had as a mom there needs to be some healing there for mom because we bring with us to our daughters with all the goodwill that we bring, we also bring the shadow of our own lack. So I invite moms who want me to come. Mother will say, come work with my daughter's class. There are so many girls and they're on the verge and I refuse to work with them until mm -hmm. I work with the mom because mm -hmm. what happens otherwise is that a double message is presented to the girls. On one hand, the girls see mom rolls her eyes, oh my God, I got my period, and having an attitude about when she bleeds and not taking time. And on the other hand, they, they would come to a workshop where they will hear how empowering it is and how important it is to take time. And they will end up being so confused with so conflicting messages. Who do, believe, who do I believe? My mom does one thing and my workshop teacher said something else. So that's not fair to do on the girls at all. Mm. So what I see is that when we work with the moms first 
and we do what I described from before, which is to delve into our own adolescence, our own maidenhood, and clear house there, and clean out all of the negativity that has been lodged into ourselves since our first period, and replace it with the welcoming ceremony we never had, then the mom can come to the girl from a different place, and then I don't necessarily have to work with the girls, then the moms can do it themselves, because they have it living in them. So what I see is that the girls that have moms that have done their own healing thrive. The girls who just receive talks about how wonderful menstruation is from moms who have not healed and continue to have a painful relationship with the cycle, those girls are very confused and don't know what, where to turn. Mm. And so I, I kind of smile when you tell the story because I notice this in a lot of couples work. I'll have women bring their husbands to me yes. <laughs> with them, but they don't want to do the work. Yes. <laughs> so how can we inspire and empower the female embodiment on planet Earth to uh, have courage and to not uh, feel like they're too busy or to feel inspired that there's so much potential that gets unlocked when we look in? Well, especially when it is the husband that they bring, it's a partnership. You, in the same way that they can't fathom just them as the woman part of the equation doing the work, how can they fathom only the man doing the, the part, his part, and, and not being in partnership or, or in uh, collaboration? But more to, to speak to mothers and daughters, I tell moms that really it is impossible to give anything to our daughters other than role models. And if you can't model an empowered woman, a womanhood that loves your own body, that lives in harmony with your cycle, that takes time off to renew and replenish yourself every month. If you can't model that, you cannot expect your daughter to do this just because your words say so. It's not enough. Your words don't mean enough. It reminds me of my own adolescence. My parents both smoked cigarettes and they told me how bad it is and they expected me not to smoke. I was a smoker for years. <laughs> for years I'm not anymore, but I did what they did, not what they said. And we all understand that about smoking, and we all understand that about various things about um, our own childhood when our parents gave us one message verbally, but behaviorally the complete opposite message. We understand that. So that's where the key lies to offering something to our daughters. We can give the best speeches about how empowering menstruation is. If we don't live this ourselves, we're not modeling it. And if we're not modeling it, there is no way that our daughters would follow. Mm. Or their daughters, for sure. Or their mm. daughters. Yeah, and that's a, exactly, that's a great point because once we offer this to ourselves and model this to our daughters, we change the tide for generations because the chain of pain that our great-grandmothers passed down through our grandmas and our moms and us will stop with us. 
If we only speak those words to our daughters and model to them this empowering relationship to our body and our blood, they will perpetuate it for another generation. If we model to them something that empowers them, they have something solid to offer their daughters in way of modeling, not in way of lectures. Right. And uh, with that being said, you know, the women uh, back, and not so long ago, and, and some still get to do this, in their tribal situation, uh, when they're menstruating, uh, when we're all menstruating, or if even if we're past, we're you know in our crone cycle of life. Um, during that, the moon, you know, the literal moon that we see in the sky, and then our moon cycle, uh, something really powerful happens. We become very uh, omnipresent. The the power that's given, and that's what one elder said to me it's like you're too powerful that's why we put the women over there so they could be that powerful during Mm. that time so they could process and see and you know for myself personally I always and my daughter I always encourage you know try to not communicate too much during your moon uh, because so much is going through you that uh, you could you could cause a lot of chaos as it maybe even you experienced in your own life um, yeah. But if, if you can share a little bit about the power of being so clairvoyant and how women can maybe understand that that's an important role because that informs not only ourselves, but our families and you know our partners and so forth, because they become aware of what we're witnessing too on different levels. Yes, so my understanding of indigenous cultures is that in in indigenous cultures perceived the moon time, the time of our blood, as a time when the veil between the worlds thins, or the time when the veil between the worlds is thinnest. So meaning that the the veil thins between our world and the divine, the our world and the spirit world. So that means we have access to insights and inspiration from the other side when we bleed that we don't have access to at the rest of the three weeks of the month. So that's given when women sat in moon lodges or moon hats, that's what they did. They dreamt prophecies for their tribe. They tuned in and the veil was thin for them and they could receive guidance. But they were in quietude for that. They weren't doing daily chores. So the problem begins when we are treating our moon time, the time when we bleed, as any other day of the month. So if we take care of children and cook and take care of house and work outside of the house and busy building our career and running meetings and be the shaman that reaches between the worlds, that's impossible. We don't have the conditions to do that unless we take time, unless we're quiet, like you said, communicate less so that we can go inward. And that's why we need to close the door If we don't have a red tent to go to or a moon lodge, then our own bedroom would absolutely suffice. But we need to close the door and be quiet and go inward so that we can 
not only replenish our own energy, but reach across the thin veil and receive insights for ourselves, for our family, for the world. So that's what women did. They dreamt prophecies for their tribes, for individuals in their tribe, for the direction the tribe needs to go. And the tribe absolutely, without question, accepted what the women in the moon lodges received during their moon time because that was divinity incarnate through them or coming through them. So in order to be able to access that, we have the access every month. However, if we don't create the conditions to be quiet enough to use, utilize this access, then it's wasted time and again. You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And maybe you could share how... uh, Mother Nature is so patient with us because, you know, some of the, what we discussed about in the beginning about, you know, you know, medicating and all of those things and avoiding doing healing is that then it kind of builds and potentially we get more and more out of harmony and balance. But Mother Nature is really patient. She'll wait for us to, like, realize. Yes, yes. The image that I'm seeing when you're asking this question is of a pregnant woman. Has a pregnant woman ever lost patience with the fetus that's growing inside of her? Hurry up and be born after three months or five Mm -hmm. or seven. The pregnancy is the epitome of patience. And we know that our embryo is not ready after so many weeks and so many months and there is still time to go so yes the the baby kicks inside of us and we're not losing patience and saying okay you kick ready be born so i i would say this is the level of patience that we have for our own babies while we're pregnant with them that our mother earth mother nature has with us because we are in gestation we are continuing our gestation process until we'll be ready to be born and until then she will wait Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah very patient (laughs) Uh, and (laughs) it's just miraculous how patient nature is if you can share with the women uh, and men uh, how beneficial just our communion with nature that's around us. We don't necessarily have to go on a, a camping trip or find a, a forest if we're in the city, but how we can commune with nature to help encourage us, to rebalance us, to uh, help us uh, in even precarious times. Well, I would say even houseplants are a homeopathic dose of nature because life grows from a potted plant. There is earth there, there is roots, and there is a plant that is growing, a living plant that is growing. So 
I'm really a big proponent of homeopathic doses. If you can't go and spend a week trekking in nature, go for half a day. If you can't do that, go for an hour. Go to your garden, go to the park locally. If you can't do even that, then take some time and commune with your potted plants. You don't have to have more than one even. The thing is, don't put it by your computer and forget about it and say, oh, I have nature around me. Switch off your computer and commune with it. That's the same way mm. as being, having the access to the veil that's seen between the worlds, but not taking time to commune with it. So it's the intention and the time, it's not the quantity that I would encourage mm. us all to do. Yeah, well said. And, you know, you remind me, I don't know if you've ever seen the stuff that they've done out at Darmenhor in Italy, where it's talking in the singing trees. Uh, If you could share a little bit about, even during our moon cycle, how nature can help uh, ground us and laying on the earth can help, you know, with initially when women aren't maybe having a lot of symptoms like menstruation, pain, and... um, emotional pain and maybe headaches and stuff, how Mother Earth might help us through that process. We all know that um, putting our feet, our bare feet on Mother Earth realigns us energetically and brings into balance our, our polarity. So laying down on the earth and you can go to a local park next to your house there is something in laying down on the ground on the earth which is not only physically soothing but you give your burdens to mother to your mother earth the mother of us all because we can't necessarily deal with everything by ourselves we can put down our burden and the earth will embrace us and her embrace is gravity so laying down she will hold you down to her through her gravity and you can put down your your pain your burden your lower back your headache whatever it is and i would invite you when you do that to also tune into the girl you were at the time of your first blood and let the earth soothe her as well. Mm. So it's not only a physical laying down of your burden and of your armor, but reaching in and allowing her to soothe you from the inside. Mm. And uh, for you, would you say that's built a deeper level of trust, knowing, and certainty in where you're to direct your attention and just be? Yes, yes. And be one with something that's bigger than myself. That when we focus on our pain, be it physical or emotional, we are alone. It's me and my pain. When I lay down and open to the embrace of the earth, I'm not alone. I'm 
part of something bigger. Mm. And that uh, collective thread, because we've just gone through a passage in space for humanity that's been like no other that we all know about. I'm certain that there's been other moments. Um, but, you know, it's an it's interesting time because we're connected again through artificial devices, which are amazing uh, on a certain level. Yet, I, I have a deep knowing that uh, when we're not on these things, we're connected and because how I connect with some of the leaders uh, is, is more advanced than these phones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but if if you can share that about you know the value, especially for women, to kind of lead this way into reconnect connecting to their nature, uh, so that we can support and be in, in an interdependent relationship with one another, rather than a division or a divisiveness one. Because most indigenous cultures are community based, where everyone has a role. There's no like. I can do everything. It's like, oh, my role is this and my role is that and your role is that. And there's no arguments about it or entitlement to it. Yeah. Uh, if you can uh, reflect back to us what's possible if, if we really kind of lead the way into really deep being in deeper communion with Mother Earth and the sky above and Father's mm-hmm. Son or Grandfather's Son, as some uh, refer to it. Yes. The, the image that I have is really moving from the micro to the macro. The micro is us as a community of cells. If we think of our physical bodies as a community of cells where we are all part of the whole. So a cell of, of liver or a cell of eye or a cell of the, the little toe in our left foot none of them is more important than the other we can't do without any of them none of them is me i'm i'm not you know a cell of my liver or a cell of my eye or a cell of my little toe of my left foot cannot say i am her we are all one and it's clear to us when we think of it in terms of our body that we are one community of trillions of cells that together makes a whole and each and every one of those cells is needed to make that whole and none, no, no one cell is the whole but together we are one as a, as a human body that has this identity that in particular mine is called Diana but uh, you know everyone has their name and is, everyone is a community of trillions of cells that are creating a whole so that's the micro and if we go from there to the macro the cosmology of of it all in the same way that each of our cells creates the whole oneness of who we are as a person each of us people is a cell in the body of mother earth is a cell in the body of humanity is a cell in the body of the the universe so it's easier to think for me to think of it on a cellular level of my own body and then just extrapolate from there if that makes sense absolutely beautifully said uh yeah we have all have a part <laughs> yeah in, in this this creation 
So we're coming up on our time. We could just talk for hours. I could talk for hours uh, on this subject matter. And uh, fortunately, those listening can connect with Deanna and her work and dive in a little deeper as inspired. Uh, Deanna, if you can uh, share just Orate, we'll include the links below, but where is the easiest place, maybe your website for people to find you? Yeah, so my homepage is dianalam.com. I'll spell it D-E-A-N-N-A-L-A-M. Dianalam.com is my homepage, and you can, and you're invited to come there and receive a gift. You can sign up, letting me know what phase of womanhood you are in, whether you are still menstruating, in perimenopause, in menopause or beyond, and ask your most burning question about any of the above, menstruation, menopause, or the red tent, and receive a gift in return to become part of our international red tents in every neighborhood community. And I invite you to be part of this leading edge because we are really changing the world together. Mm. Oh. Well, Diana, it's been just so such a gift to have you here. I really appreciate you uh, sharing your time and wisdom with us. And we look forward to uh, having you back in the near future to dive into a few other subject matters. Thank you. It would be my pleasure. Thank you, Suzanne, for holding the space for your questions and for creating change in the world the way you do. Thank you. Thank you. So before you exit out, I welcome you to sit back and connect to a little Shyla Ray sunshine. This is some of her earlier work that is actually a beautiful ode to the sacredness that flows through all women on planet Earth, no matter where you are in your seasons, whether you're in the spring, summer, fall or winter, that your moon cycle is always with you and the moon cycle is with all of humanity. May we remember that we all are created in a womb and the sacredness of the divine feminine. And may we hold that wisdom, that mystery and that gift sacred to our heart. Without further ado, just sit back and take in a little Shyla Ray. Living life in a holy way Giving thanks each and every day Universe holding sacred space Providing our gifts so great I have a gift and I give it away Back to the ground it shall remain Buried alive and lost at sea Either way I let it flow intentionally And I celebrate my blood today We the moons we wax and wane Bleeding together, feeling the same I am proud of my body, I am not ashamed And my blood is the sacredness of the woman within me my blood is a sacrifice of what could be, maybe. 
Again, I want to thank Deanna Lamb for being here. We'll bring her in the near future to dive into more of the mystery and the magic of the feminine. And I encourage both male and female alike to really connect to this wisdom. If inspired, please connect to her work. The links are listed below. She is a wealth of knowledge and, as mentioned before, a beautiful sage and guy. In addition, if you enjoyed some of Shyla Ray's Sunshine's music, you can check her out. Her links are below and she's brewing some beautiful new uh, music, more in the blues and hip hop, getting back to her original roots, which is a lot of fun. And the simplest way we can all support our creation cycle is by supporting one another, human to human. 
So until next time, this is she signing out with a full heart, a soft gaze, a gentle smile, a deep bow, and a namaste. Be simply 